Ayla Ellison, and you're listening to The Top Line, brought to you by Fierce Pharma and Fierce Biotech. In today's episode, we're diving deep into the world of Alzheimer's disease, exploring the latest treatments and what the future holds for those affected by this condition. In our first segment, Fierce Pharma's Fraser Kansteiner sits down with Alexander Scott, Senior Vice President of Integrity at ASI, to unpack the full approval of Lakimbi. This groundbreaking development not only has significant implications for ASI, but most importantly, for the countless individuals and families grappling with Alzheimer's. Here they are. I want to turn to launch efforts so far and how that's changed. So you said in the past that ASI isn't rushing with its rollout, but being more slow and careful. With an a full approval in hand, what's next for the drug's launch and, and how is Azi working to promote Lakembi and get the medication to more patients? This is a complex disease state from the identification of potential disease to the actual diagnosis and the confirmation associated with that diagnosis. And then obviously the treatment and the monitoring of treatment is a complex set of steps that haven't, it's not like we're introducing a drug into a already existing method of treating. So we're really having to work with practitioners, whether it's an IDN, whether it's a a small uh, neurology community practice, et cetera, as to how they put all these pieces together in a way that allows them to do their job in supporting patients, but also ensures that they get compensated appropriately for every step of the way. On a more existential level, what's the level of awareness about Lakembi now that it's been approved by the FDA? Do you feel like you consciously need to create more awareness? I think there's a continuous need to create awareness, certainly for those who have been watching the space, who have eligible patients that they're helping to manage through the course of the disease. They are aware of Lakembi, but we think over time we need to increase that significantly. I'd say it's not yet woven into the fabric of treatment for patients yet. And that's what we need to do. We need to help weave it in so it becomes something that everyone is aware of. I think people are aware in general of advances in Alzheimer's care and that therapeutics are coming forward, but we still have a a lot of work cut out for us to ensure that we're communicating broadly about Lakembi in general and about advances in Alzheimer's, but then communicating deeply and specifically and appropriately to the various folks that are involved in caring for patients with Alzheimer's. There's a two way of doing that, two different approaches to doing that. I want to talk a bit about Lakembi's label and just how does the label from the full approval differ from the accelerated nod and which sorts of patients are eligible for treatment? The label is quite similar. The, I would say the most significant change was taking the warnings regarding ARIA from the body of the label and then the warning section and putting a, a box warning up at the top around ARIA. But if you look at the language of that box warning, it's very class-oriented. So we would expect that other labels, should they come to market in this class, would also share a very similar 
warning. And what we know from our clinical trial and what's been said about other clinical trials, Lakembi has half the ARIA rates of the other products. There, there's that piece. Secondly, we studied in Clarity AD, our phase three trial, we studied the full and complete population of mild cognitive impairment due to AD and early AD. So those two segments, we studied everyone in those in that cat in those categories. Not all programs have done that. They've been more restricted in how they enroll patients. We feel like we've got strong clinical data in all of those patients covered by that early AD and MCI label designation. And secondly, we also studied the drug in in patients who had multiple concomitant medications, et cetera. So we again have a rich data set for concomitant use with other commonly utilized medications in in, in uh, the elderly population. You alluded to the box warning. I just want to ask, when it comes to ARIA or amyloid-related imaging abnormalities, what does this say about the kind of conversations that the patients and caregivers will need to have with their doctors before initiating treatment with Lakembi? Every drug has a benefit and risk profile that needs to be understood, and the doctor needs to be able to explain it in a way that is understandable by the caregiver and the patient so they can make a joint decision as to is treatment the right thing for them in their particular circumstance. And we think that the box warning helps highlight an important element to that discussion between the doctor and patient and caregiver. And so we're very supportive of that. We think this uh, it, it's that's what good medicine is. And it's a decision by a doctor and their patient. And we want to make sure that we're able to provide all relevant information so that the experience is has the best chance of working for the patient and for the doctor. Moving on to our next segment, Fierce Biotech's Annalee Armstrong engages in a compelling discussion with Dr. Howard Fillett, a luminary in the field of Alzheimer's research and the Chief Science Officer at the Alzheimer's Drug Discovery Foundation. Together, they explore the cutting-edge work being done in Alzheimer's research and dissect the latest breakthroughs that are shaping the future of how we understand and combat this complex disease. Here's part of their conversation. So let's start with the drugs that are going to follow Lakembi. We have Lily's Remturnitug and Donatumab. So how important are those two therapies now that we already have one fully approved? Is, is there still room for those two? Like in other fields, um, it's good to have competing drugs. I think, um, you know, the Donatumab clinical trials were very innovative in using tau imaging to enroll patients who were not so mild that they had very little tauopathy on their tau PET imaging scans and not too much on their PET imaging scans to indicate that they were too far along based on the biology and the biomarkers to benefit from treatment. So they they did something very innovative by using tau imaging, which is another major advance in our field. And they also had stopping rules that when people were cleared of their beta amyloid based on their pet amyloid scan. So I think the Lilly trial also had stopping rules, which are important because it means that that patients have a goal of treatment, which is the elimination of the beta amyloid from the brain based on the pet amyloid scans, 
which are, again, major advances on our field. Having a positive PET amyloid scan was required to get into the trial. This is a new advance in our field that people actually have the target of the drug. So we could really ask the rigorous question around whether by removing beta amyloid from the brain, there's clinical benefit. So the stopping rule, be given the burden of the drug, which is infusions for donatumab once a month, and it looks like around 12 months or so, uh, depending on the patient, that, that amyloid is pretty much removed from the brain, that patients can stop therapy. And I did see, see some analyses to indicate that once therapy was stopped, that amyloid did begin to reaccumulate in the brain, but it took four years to get back to the point where the patient was prior to therapy. So that gives patients about a four-year window, if it turns out that way, uh, in which they won't need therapy. And it's similar to the way we do uh, cancer and chemotherapy. We treat patients and monitor them with biomarkers and then restart therapy when things uh, come out of remission and go into relapse. I think the once-a-month dosing of Denanumab is a clinical advantage in terms of the burden of administration, but I also know that companies are looking at alternate routes of administration so that patients don't have to go to infusion centers and might be able to even get their injections at home, either subcutaneously or intramuscularly. I think that that'll be another, the next major advance will be the reformulation of these antibodies and a different route of administration that'll be less costly and less burdensome. So I want to talk about safety. I know that with these um, monoclonal antibodies, one of the concerns has been aria, this swelling in the brain and, and small brain bleeds. So I guess, can you speak to what the concerns have been when it comes to Lakembi and some of these other drugs? And I guess, how can the next generation of drugs improve on safety and lower the risks associated uh, with treatment? That's a great question. I can give some perspective on it. For one thing, I would say from surveys, we know that Alzheimer's is the most feared disease, and rightfully so, having taken care of thousands of people over the last 40 years or so. This is a horrible nightmare for patients and their families in many cases. So when we talk to patients about risks and benefits, the risks of ARIA are real. About, I would say, 20% of people have some sort of symptoms from it, such as confusion and dizziness, maybe headache. But those, those side effects are, are self-limited, and they're managed by serial MRIs of the brain over the first three months of treatment. So once we start seeing these side effects of ARIA-E, which stands for edema, and ARIA-H, which stands for hemorrhage, and often they go hand in hand, then we start stop the treatment, let these lesions heal, and then restart treatment. There are what's called appropriate use guidelines out in the medical literature now that informs neurologists and other practitioners who'll be managing the leukemia and the related monoclonal antibodies as to the protocols to use in terms of safety monitoring using serial MRIs and then guidelines for restarting the uh, infusions uh, once these uh, MRI lesions heal. But in people that are apolipoprotein E4 positive, which is a major risk factor for Alzheimer's disease and relates to this often the severity and the frequency of side effects, 
people that are homozygotes for ApoE4, in other words, they're ApoE4 slash 4, they've gotten a 4 allele from both parents, those people are particularly prone to the ARIA side effects. And current appropriate use guidelines would say that if you're ApoE double 4 and you're getting these ARIA side effects, that you would be discontinued from therapy. And people that are ApoE 3-4, for example, or 2-4, can restart therapy with careful monitoring. And I think my own personal opinion is that given the devastation of the disease itself, there have been analyses of how much time is gained in a patient's life in terms of stable cognition. And the benefit seems to be somewhere between five and seven and maybe as much as nine months from these 18-month trials. So that's a pretty significant saving in terms of cognitive stability. Trying to describe to patients the benefit of, of these monoclonal antibodies to beta amyloid in, in, ter, in translating the results from the clinical trials into practice, I think these kinds of an analytics that are relatively new to our field, where we're looking at time of benefit, the time that people have relative stability in their cognition. And I think it's very clinically meaningful to be able to say to someone, if you take this drug, you'll get months of, of benefit in, in a disease that robs people of everything that makes them human, including being able to recognize their grandchildren and that sort of thing. So I think, the, like any other serious illness, with particularly an, an analogy to cancer, the, the, risks and, the risks are real, but they're manageable. And the benefits are real. And I think a fairly substantial proportion of people who take the drug will have a noticeable difference. Having stability over the course of six months to a year in this disease or 18 months is very significant in a disease that is a chronic, progressive, uh, uniformly fatal illness. But the conversation doesn't stop there. In our third segment, Fierce Pharma's Eric Saganowski sits down with Dr. Risa Sperling, who leads a dedicated research team investigating the potential of Lakimbi in preventing the progression of Alzheimer's before any symptoms manifest. This proactive approach could be a game changer in the fight against Alzheimer's. Here they are. Today we're talking about the AHEAD study for the Alzheimer's disease drug called Lakimbi or Lakinimab. We've been covering this drug since its launch and approval earlier this year, but your team is looking at something a little bit different from much of the coverage we've been doing so far. So can you tell me about the AHEAD study? Yes. The AHEAD clinical trial is actually testing lecanemab in people who don't yet have symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. And we're looking for individuals who are 55 to 80 who have evidence of amyloid plaque buildup in their brains, and I can tell you more about that, but who don't yet have cognitive impairment or dementia or memory problems that were tested in the other successful trials with lecanemab last year. This drug is approved for patients with mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia, but you're looking at patients before any symptoms take on. Can you tell me about why you've started this study? We started the AHEAD study because we felt that probably our best opportunity to intervene with something that's going after the buildup of this protein called amyloid in the brain 
is when it's at its earliest stages. And we know that amyloid plaque builds up in the brain 10, maybe even 20 years before people get to the stage of what we call dementia in Alzheimer's disease, meaning they've had progressive cognitive impairment and are starting to have difficulty doing activities, everyday activities, and need more help. We know that period of 10 to 15 years before people have Alzheimer's dementia, there are changes in their thinking and memory, but they're very subtle. And we thought being able to intervene at that point by trying to reduce amyloid as soon as possible might have an even better uh, chance of preventing dementia one day altogether. seems like this would be a really big deal if this study turns out successful, preventing progression into more severe Alzheimer's. seems like it would completely change the field. I believe it really would change the field because although I'm tremendously excited about the lecanemab results in people who have mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia, and another uh, drug that showed very similar and positive results, denanemab, another antibody that aggressively uh, removes amyloid plaque. I think both of these studies are very encouraging that if we can remove amyloid plaque uh, at the early stages of symptoms, we can slow the progression a little bit, maybe um, 20 to 35% across these uh, studies. But that means that a fair number of those individuals still progress to moderate or severe dementia. And we really want ultimately to try to keep people as independent and enjoying their lives as much as possible. So if we could start five or 10 years earlier in the course of Alzheimer's disease, as we are uh, trying in the AHEAD study and reduce amyloid plaque at that stage, I think we might have a real shot at being able to keep people independent for much longer. The other thing I'll say about these medications is that removing amyloid with these antibodies against the amyloid plaque does have some side effects, which your uh, listeners may have heard about with both lecanemab and denanemab. And we also think that by treating earlier, we might have the possibility of having less side effects because there's less amyloid buildup in the brain and in the brain's blood vessels. But that, of course, is what we're testing and watching people very closely in the AHEAD study. That's it for The Top Line. I'm Ayla Ellison. You can find out more about this topic in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line.